We are here on a Wednesday, and it's uh, November 29th, 2023, and we're in Joshua chapter 3. Last week we talked about uh, more of the, of the faith of a person, which was Rahab. Now we're going to be thinking about the faith of a nation. And, and having the faith of their spiritual leaders walking down into that river like they're being instructed to do, they're carrying something that is very important. And as they carry the Ark of the Covenant down into the river, the people are going to be watching it happen. And when they see the Ark move, they are to start to move. And then they have to trust that what they have been told from Joshua, that he's really heard from God, and a nation acting out in faith. So, I'm going to read a paragraph out of uh, Warren Wiersbe, little commentary on Joshua, and read, also read a verse to you out of Hebrews 6. He says, uh, In the Christian life, you're either an overcomer or you're overcome, a victor or a victim. After all, God didn't save us to make statues out of us and put us on, um, you know, up for display. He saved us to make soldiers out of us and move us forward by faith to claim our rich inheritance in Jesus Christ. Moses said it perfectly. He brought us out that he might bring us in. And that's Deuteronomy 6, 23. Now, I'm sure you remember that very well because we just got done with the book of Deuteronomy. I, could, I, I was surprised at how long we were in that. That was a long, long time in Deuteronomy. He brought us out that he might bring us in. So we weren't, we were not saved just for the purpose of being saved so that we can sit around the rest of our life and wait for heaven. We're saved for a purpose. And once we're saved out of bondage, so the people came out of Egypt, they were, they were saved from the bondage of the world and the bondage of sin, and they were freed from that, saved from that, redeemed from that, and, and then they were instructed to go to a place and to uh, move by faith. And they saw some great things. They saw God open up the Red Sea. And they went through it. But you think about now, where we're at now, all these people that are getting ready to go through the Jordan, did any of these people actually go through the Red Sea? Two. Yeah, Caleb and Joshua are the only two that actually experienced that. So all the rest of these people are going by what they have learned from their fathers. And now they're getting ready to, to witness something miraculous as well. Uh, next, uh, this is still, I'm still reading out of uh, Warren Wiersbe's uh, book. Too, uh, too many of God's people have the mistaken idea that salvation, being delivered 
from the bondage of Egypt is all that's involved in the Christian life. But salvation is only the beginning, both in our personal spiritual growth and in our service for the Lord, there remains very much land yet to be possessed. Uh, the theme of the book of Joshua is the theme of the book of Hebrews. Let us go on, and the only way to go on is by faith. Now, he referenced uh, chapter 6, verse 1, and I, I, was, I kept going back to that. I don't know if you remember, but as we, we have been going through the book of Hebrews for quite a while, and it seems like we've been on chapter 11 for about the same amount of time that we got to that point. And, but I, I, and there was reasons behind it that I kept going back to this particular verse, and it says, this is uh, Hebrews 6.1, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, that sounds bad, Therefore, leaving, it, it doesn't mean that you're rejecting it. It means that you're moving on from it. You're not going, you're, you, you, once you get that salvation, you've you got to use that. You're free now. You're free from the bondage. And what are you going to do with this freedom, this liberty that you've been given? What are you going to do with it? Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. So we, we are to uh, go through this walk, this Christian life. Some people call it the sanctification process. That's, that's a religious term. You get justified so you can be sanctified, and then after you've lived this life of becoming more and more holy, not that that, it might get you more crowns when you go to heaven, but there, we're looking forward to the day of glorification, right? Justification, sanctification, glorification, when we're raised up out of the grave, resurrected, and we're in our glorified bodies, and we're in heaven forever, and everything's wonderful, but that process from the point of salvation to glorification, that process in the middle of us walking a Christian life is what we're talking about here. Now, on Sundays, we've been talking about a bunch of different people lately, and we want to be more like an Abraham overall. I mean, we don't want to make some of the mistakes he made, but... We want to be way more like Abraham than we want to be like Lot. Both of them ended up in glory, but what did they do with the life they lived on this earth? All right, back to the uh, Warren Wiersbe book. Unbelief says, let's go back to where it's safe. Remember, children of Israel. Now, I'm... I'm just reading a little bit of what he says, and then I'm commenting on it. So that's why I keep saying I'm back to the book, so you know I'm reading. Uh, the children of Israel, you don't know. Think about how many times they said, it's too hard here. We don't have enough water. We don't have enough food. The way's tough. 
and they wanted to go back to Egypt where it was safe. Well, that's a lack of faith, wanting where it's safe. But faith said, I'm back to reading, but faith says, let's go forward to where God is working. Forty years before, Joshua and Caleb had assured the Jews, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. That's faith. But the people said, we are not able. That's unbelief, and it cost the nation 40 years of discipline in the wilderness. And here's a verse, 1 John 5, 4, uh, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, talking about our faith, 1 John 5, 4. All right, and I think that's all I want to read out of that book. I got a better book. It's called The Bible, and I'm turning back to... Uh, Joshua chapter 3. Why do you think it's important? You, you, you look at our grandparents and great-grandparents, and um, everybody wanted to be known as an early riser and a hard worker. You know, got to get up early. Got to get up early. And we see, we, we, this past Sunday... We talked about Abraham rose early the next morning. After, I mean, it, it, nobody would have thought that he would want to do that because it was a very tough assignment. You know, that, that, that assignment it was taking his son up on Mount Moriah to sacrifice him, and he got a really early start. Maybe he couldn't sleep. <laughs> Maybe he didn't sleep much. Maybe he prayed all night long. But he was up early, and he was ready to go. And now, here we see Joshua. And Joshua rose early in the morning. So Christian people from days gone by that read their Bibles all the time, that stuff like this would stick in their minds, and they would think, you know what, Joshua rose early. I need to rise early. And it's, it is better to get up early and get as much accomplished as you can early in the day. And I think it's biblical. And they removed from Chittim and came to Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host and they commanded the people, saying, When ye see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priest, the Levites, bearing it, then ye shall remove from your place and go after it. So keep your eyes. I'm going to read something that uh, Adrian Rogers wrote many years ago here in a minute. And he's, what he's doing, he's commenting about this verse right here, uh, Joshua 3, 3, about how this, this is what they were instructed to do. And you're to watch this ark, and when it moves, then you move. But you better have some reverence toward this ark of the covenant. They were supposed to maintain a certain distance from it. The ark was supposed to go down into the river first. Now, just to let you know, 
The ark was a type of Jesus Christ. It's a type. It's something that they had, and the priest only were to pick it up and to carry it. If the, a person that was not supposed to be around it touched it, they could drop dead instantly. All right, here's, uh, here's what Adrian, I haven't read, I, haven't read, uh, I was pre preparing for this, and I said, you know what, I haven't grabbed my Adrian Rogers Bible in a while. And I grabbed it and opened it up to see if there was anything, and here's a whole page of 3-3. Uh, three, three. So I'm going to read that. When God led the children of Israel out of bondage in Egypt, he was bringing them into their promised land. Now their promised land was a land of opportunity. Not only of opportunity, but also of mystery. Josh, Joshua stood before God's ancient people so long ago and said to them, this is a brand new day. You've not come this way before. You are launching out both to opportunity and to mystery. And besides all of that, there is between you and that land a river of difficulty. See, Joshua commanded the people and said, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. That is, when the ark moves, you move. You won't find any road signs marking the route. There is no map. The ark will show you the way you must go. I'm skipping down a little bit. Now, the ark was a piece of furniture that later on had a central place in the Holy of Holies, in the temple. Atop the ark was a slab of solid gold called the mercy seat and the high priest would come and sprinkle blood upon that slab of gold to make atonement for the sins of the people. And the Shekinah glory of God just hovered there. All of that tells us that the ark was a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. It symbolized the life of God, the holiness of God, the righteousness of God, the presence of God, and the atoning blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of that pictures Jesus. He is the Ark of the Covenant. If you don't understand that, you'll miss it all. The Ark is a picture, a prophecy, a type, an illustration of Jesus in the Old Testament. So, what does all that have to do with us? As we walk into the future, we're headed into opportunity, we're walking into mystery, and no doubt we'll encounter, and no doubt we will encounter difficulty. So, are you ready to come out of the wilderness and into your promised land? Are you ready to cross over a river of difficulty? Well, you're going to have to move with the ark. Some Christians live in victory and others do not. I will tell you why. All Christians have the Lord Jesus Christ and all Christians have the Holy Spirit, but not all Christians totally follow the Lord Jesus Christ. They have him in the midst but he's not out in front leading. When Jesus is Lord and leader, when he's out in front and you follow him, that makes all the difference. So, you know, he, he makes uh, comments about how Jesus was in their midst all throughout the wilderness, but when they get to this point, that's when Jesus has to go before He's got to go in and die 
That, so the, the river Jordan represents death, and Jesus goes into death for us. We're going to maintain a certain distance back from this uh, ark going forward and then until it goes in. But as we read, you're going to see where the Ark of the Covenant carried by the priest go down into the river, the water stops moving and it parts, and they go down in and they're to go to a certain point and stop. So that's picturing Jesus in his death for us so that we can go through and get to the other side. So we can get into our so-called promised land, which is the kingdom of God here on earth, that we're able to enter into through what Jesus did for us. Now, in, in Romans 6, tells us that we, when, when Jesus died, we died. When he was buried, we were buried. And when he was raised up, we were raised up. And this story of Joshua leading the people into the Jordan River, that's what it was, it's talking about. Us following Jesus and being in Him so that whatever He has done, we have done also. And you're seeing it right here. Death, burial, and resurrection coming up on the other side, coming into our promised land. It, this is not a story of dying and going to heaven. It's dying spiritually. It's dying. The old man is dying, and now you're being raised up to walk in newness of life on this earth in a kingdom that you were not in before. And it's an invisible kingdom. You know, the, the Jewish nation was looking for a physical kingdom. If they would have accepted Christ, then that kingdom, that kingdom they were looking for, which was very physical, would have been set up and Jesus would have ruled and reigned on the throne of David, but they didn't know the mystery. They didn't know God's plan for everybody else who was not included. They were not part of the chosen people of Israel, and God made a plan that he would be rejected as king of that physical kingdom, which in Matthew is, is referred to as the kingdom of heaven, and that is going to be stopped physically, because it's a physical kingdom, it can be stopped physically. The king was taken by force. He willingly went. He was nailed to a cross. They got rid of the king. And now that makes a way for all the Gentile people who looked like they were going to be left out to enter into the mystery kingdom, which is the kingdom of God that has been going on for the last... 2,000 years when Christ died for us. So, this is talking about going into the river, dying, being baptized with Jesus, but coming up to walk a Christian life. Which means one day you're going to get heaven, but what are we doing in between salvation and going to heaven? What are we going to do? There are battles that have to be fought. There are people that need to be uh, witness to, people that are going to hell. They're going to, they're going to fall in this Jordan and be washed down to the Dead Sea. And we're supposed to be out there working in being in Christ 
And we're able to do things that we couldn't have done before because we're under the power of what Jesus has done and the Holy Spirit is leading us and we have power that we never would have had. There's things to do in this Christian walk. All right, uh, verse 4. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. I was thinking that when I was, when I was uh, looking that up, it was like a half a mile. Which, you know, half a mile, if there's a fall open, it's not that big of a deal. Well, that's just two laps around the track. Stretch it out in a big line. So, come not near unto it, that ye may know the way by which ye must go, for ye have not passed this way heretofore. I'm definitely reading out of the King James. Heretofore. You have not, uh, for ye have not passed this way heretofore. I love that word. That is awesome. That's all one word. Heretofore. And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves for tomorrow, or because for, the word for in the King James Bible, it almost always is because. For tomorrow, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Now, back then, when they were told to sanctify themselves, they were to wash their bodies and change their garments into clean you know, get rid of all the dusty, dirty garments that are on you. Get rid of them. Clean your body. And that was to be sanctified. So, you know, that's why us religious people, we use the word of becoming... We, we have used this word, sanctification, that process of us becoming more holy, that we're cleaning ourselves. We, we're using the word of God to to do the right things and not the wrong things, and that is sanctifying us. It's cleansing us so that we'll be better Christians as we go on. Now, you're completely clean through the blood of Jesus as far as your sins being taken away. But after our sins are taken away, there might be a whole lot of bad habits we've developed in our life before that, and now we need to clean those things up as well. Not that that's getting us into heaven. That's already been taken care of. Understand? But we should try to sanctify ourselves so that we would be better able. It's like an athlete wanting to be number one. They want to be first across the finish line because only the first place person gets the crown. You know, that's, that's, it's in the Bible. That... that, that uh, Picture is painted for us in the Bible. And we are to put away foolish things. We're, we're to get rid of things that, are, that, are, that keep us from, you know, we, there's a lot of, that's why the, back in the day, like Charles Finney, you know, he would, he, 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 if you did anything for entertainment, he thought it was terrible. That you, you were a very bad Christian if you went out and did anything for entertainment because you're, you're allowing yourself to be taken away from the things of God by worldly pleasures and all those things that get your mind off of. Now, he took it to an extreme, in my opinion, but he had a point, because we are so lenient that we, we let all kinds of worldly things 
take up all of our time, and we, most people spend very little time in the Word of God and in prayer and in evangelizing and all the things that we're supposed to do as Christians, we spend very little time doing those things because the prince of this world knows how to get us distracted into sports, um, movies, TV shows. I mean, there are uh, people who just waste so much time. Now we got these, these things we carry around, these little black things that we carry around, and it's just got information and videos and all this stuff. They call it a smartphone. It's making us real dumb. It's, it's with everybody. My dad was joking about it the other day, talking about how, uh, you know, these little kids come into the world, they're babies, you got to get them a cell phone and put the cell phone down in their diaper. That's how ridiculous it has become. It's very dangerous for little kids to have a cell phone. Extremely dangerous. So, sanctify yourselves. I didn't know we were going to spend that much time on verse 5. But sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Verse 6, And Joshua spake unto the priest, saying, Take up the ark of the covenant and pass over before the people. And they took up the ark of the covenant and went before the people. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that, as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. And thou shalt command the priests that bear the ark of the covenant, saying, When ye are come to the brink of the water of Jordan, ye shall stand still in Jordan. This is, and, we're, and it'll, it'll explain it better, but what they've been asked to do is... Basically, you're asking me to walk down in there and commit suicide. I mean, I, this river is flowing out of its banks. I, I read somewhere where normally the Jordan, if not being in flood stage, which it was at this point, that it, was, it could have only been maybe 100 feet wide. But at this point, it could have been a mile wide. I'd never heard that before. I can't remember who I was reading it from, but... That's what they said. It could have been that because it was flowing. It was flood stage. You know what the river looks like when, the, when it's rained a lot and the river turns brown a little bit and it's rushing and the water's coming up out of its banks? And you take a step in that and you're gone. And you've got to realize that's what was going on here. It wasn't a place that you would cross. It wasn't a ford of the river. This was a place right across from Jericho that was deep, and it was not only deep and swift, it was flood stage. So it was way, way worse than normal. And for them to walk down and to walk down into that river was faith. It, it was trusting Joshua. Trusting what God is telling them to do. Verse 9, am I at verse 9? Y'all are following along, right? Huh? And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, Come hither. And hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, Hereby ye shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from before you 
the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Hivites and the Perizzites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth passeth over before you into Jordan. It's not going all the way across. It's, it's going before you and, and passeth over before you into the Jordan. Now therefore take you twelve men out of the tribes of Israel, out of every tribe a man, and it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests that bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of Jordan, that the waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above, and they shall stand upon an heap. And it, shall, and it came to pass when the people removed from their tents to pass over Jordan, and the priests bearing the ark of the covenant before the people, and as they that bear the ark were come unto Jordan, Notice the different spellings of bear. So it's B-E-A-R, talking about what they're, going, what they're doing, but then when it's talking about what, they're, what they've done, it's, it's almost like it's, they're, they're, the spelling is even different. So it's almost like it's just a little bit past tense would be B-A-R-E. I've never, I don't know if I've ever noticed that before. All the times... I can't tell you how many times I've read through this over the years. And I don't think it's ever, it's ever registered that it's spelt differently. And it's back and forth as you go through here. And as they that bear the ark were come unto Jordan, and the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped, were dipped, so it's talking a little bit past tense, in the brim of the water, for, this was in parentheses, for, uh, Jordan overfloweth all his banks all the time of harvest, that the waters which came down from above stood and rose up upon an heap very far from the city Adam, that is beside Zertan, and those that came down toward the sea of the plain, even the salt sea, failed and were cut off, and the people passed over right against Jericho. So, where, so there's a city called Adam at the beginning. Okay, because of Adam's sin passing down, coming down, all that, going toward hell, which is the Dead Sea, and if you go through this, you get swept away in Adam's sin, you're going down to the Dead Sea, but this water has been cut off, this, this flow from Adam has been cut off by the Ark of the Covenant, which is Jesus, and you're able to pass through that. Pretty cool, huh? Adam. It, it just had to be here. And I don't even know if anybody knows where this place is. I mean, you, look, you can look at a map, and it's like, well, it's got to be up here somewhere because it says it right here, and they just stick it on there. But I don't know if anybody really knows about a city called Adam. But it's here, so there was obviously a city there. 17, and the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on 
dry ground in the midst, see, they're still in the, in, the, in the middle of the river, the midst of Jordan, and all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over Jordan. Now, let's see. All right, so we'll, four goes with three, but we'll wait until next week, and uh, we'll get into that and the memorials that they set up and because there's and, and there's really a lot to say about Gilgal so we'll get into that next week but here's here's a little snippet from uh, Charles Spurgeon and he is he's talking about this is going all the way back to verse 4 this is 3 4 and he's, he's making a comment on, ye have not passed this way heretofore. I think Charles Spurgeon loved that word too. They were, this is what he said about it, they were certainly where they had never been before. Now this is where, um, you know, he makes comment about how none of these people that are here passed through the Red Sea except for Caleb and Joshua. They saw before them now a river that was full to the brim and both deep and broad. How were they to cross it? There was not a boat in all their tents. Suppose they did cross it. There was a walled city within view frowning on them on the other side, and behind the walls were many powerful and ferocious enemies. Suppose they should conquer the men of Jericho. The whole land was full of cities equally strong, walled up to heaven, according to Deuteronomy 128, their, their case was one that might naturally excite a thousand fears, but faith drove all fears away. They advanced straight on as God's, at God's bidding, and the Lord came to their rescue by drying up the river, casting down the walls of Jericho, routing their adversaries, and ultimately giving them the whole of the land from Dan to Beersheba as their inheritance. Are we just now where we have never been before as to trials? Are the demands on our strength heavier than at any former period of our lives? Whether our way in the Lord is new or old, it is not a way of our own appointing. God, had, God has led us to our present place. Providence cannot have placed us in a wrong position. It must be right for us to be just where we are. My times are in thy hand, according to Psalm 31.15. All right. Well, that will conclude what we're going to do tonight. Um, ending it up with uh, what Spurgeon said about 3-4. And... You know, something for us to think about. And we're going to be in chapter 4 next week, and we will have um, a good time with that. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And Father, I just pray that we all who are going through this study of Joshua would just understand the significance of it and how it is such a story and a type and a picture of what 
we do today, Father, you know, this is definitely something that we need to apply to our lives today. And Father, it's just a very wonderful story to read and to learn. Father, I just pray that we would see the deep meaning of it and we will be better equipped to do those things that you've called us to do um, as you have instructed us to move on from our, our precious salvation that we are so thankful for, but that we move on from that and continue to do the things that you have called us to do. And Father, thank you for all of that. And Father, we just are just... Just thankful for the Holy Spirit that's guiding us. Father, I just pray that we would be a people who would, uh, would walk after the Spirit. Thank you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.